everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Tired of pickup truck bed chaos? Meet Decked, game-changing USA-made full bed-length drawers for tools and gear. Waterproof, dustproof, lockable, secure. Whether you're working, hunting, fishing, camping, or just getting out of town. And introducing Decked Deco cases. Tough, modular, problem-solving cases built for the truck, job site, campsite, or garage. Say goodbye to random bins and tie-downs. Order now at Decked.com slash iHeart for free shipping. Decked, your truck, your rules. Decked.com forward slash iHeart. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. This is Playing Around with Paige Renee. Welcome to another episode of Playing Around. I'm your host, Paige Renee. We have Teddy G. We're very happy this time. Last episode, we started a little sad, <laughs> very sad, uh, but in a much better mood this go around. How about you, Teddy? Well, I am. Um, I, you're probably going to remind people why it was related to Phil Mickelson. You were a little sad last time. We could delve into that, but I'm very happy. I had a great uh, weekend, a lot of sports, 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 sports. Uh, we also found out last week that we're going to be out at Tory Pines. I'm sorry, you are already going to be out at Tory Pines. <laughs> I found out that I will be there making content with you for points bet. So I'm certainly in a good mood about that. Yeah, last week I was a bit upset because Phil Mickelson blocked me on Twitter. Um, it's been a wild roller coaster <laughs> since then. He unblocked me, said he was sorry for blocking me. And then the next day he decided to then reblock me on Twitter and now a new development also on Instagram. So I don't know what happened at this point. I could give two shits about it. Um, it's <laughs> something weird's going on there and I don't want to be involved with any of it. So moving on from that, <laughs> social media is just a very weird place. <laughs> Yeah, well, thankfully, Phil will be out at Tory. His people will be out at Tory. And maybe you don't give two shits about it, which I don't think is exactly true. But I definitely care about this just from a curiosity standpoint. So I'm going to be using my old journalistic instinct while we were out there at the U.S. Open at Tory, and I will be launching a full-scale investigation. Oh no! Please don't. I Sorry. did care in the be- I did care in the beginning, and then I was like, "Oh, fine, it's over." And then when the reblocking happened, I was like, "Okay, this is just weird. I don't want to deal with this at all. I'm going to stay out of it." So you better stay out of it, Teddy, because I don't want to be hit with like a restraining order. And I'm not doing anything. <laughs> 
Like, that a social is, like, media restraining real, order? Yeah, like that's the block in real life. Like I don't, I, I'm already blocked on everything. I, I don't want to be blocked in real life too. Well, I'm very bad at following directions. So we'll, uh, I make no promises. We'll see how that turns out. <laughs> oh no, I'm nervous about that. Um, but yeah, I had a good week too. It was nice to have a couple days off. I haven't had like two days off in the longest time. So I slept almost all day yesterday. I like didn't do anything. I just slept and just like recharged and I feel so much better. <laughs> I was running on like fumes. <laughs> Wait, did you also play some holes yesterday and drive a par four? Yeah. So I played at Silverado. I tend to always play there in Arizona. It's a fun little golf course. They have a drivable par four. It was I mean, it says like 300 on the scorecard, but I think it was playing more like 290. So I I ended up driving the green. (laughs) Ended up driving the green and um, just missed my putt for eagle. But on number nine, the par five, I hit a really great driver, really awesome three wood, almost hold my three wood, and then made my 10 footer for an eagle. And it was funny too, because I was recording it for a TikTok and I've been trying to do like these play, play a hole with me. And I posted it and no one believed me. One (laughs) that I didn't even say how far I hit my drive. I just put the yardage of the hole and then I put the yardage of what I had it on my second shot and it ended up being like 295 yards. And so everyone in the comments was like, there's no way you hit it that far. I don't believe you like show it from behind, do all the stuff. And it's crazy because one, I, I did hit it that far and I didn't even say I hit it that far because I knew people weren't going to believe me. But when you play in Arizona, it's it was really warm out. It was like 100 degrees. It was a little dried out on the fairway. I'm not hitting it. It's like you hit it 295 one time and people are like, this girl averages 300 <laughs> yards. And I'm like, that's the problem with your game, guys. Like, I, it's not that I hit a drive once and I'm like, oh, I hit it 300 yards that's every right. single time. Like, that's what those guys do. And I was like, no, I just, it's warm here. I'm not going to hit it 295 over on the East Coast or if we go like play sea level. It's just, I hit it that far. And then I hit a three wood off the deck and people were like, if you hit your drive 295, there's no way you hit it 230 for your next shot. And I'm like, that's the yardage I had in. Like, what do you guys want from me? And this guy was arguing with me about the driver or my three wood. He was like, it looks like a driver. There's no way you hit a driver. And I'm like, it's a three wood. It's very clearly a three wood. And so like, it's so funny because guys are always like, oh, how is it being like a woman in sports? Right then, like you can do everything yes. exactly right, not lie about it. I, I very clearly hit a three wood off the deck. Yes. It's like staring at the sky and someone going, the sky's green. I'm like, no, it's blue. And they're like, no, no, you're dumbass. Like it's, it's definitely green. I'm like, it is blue. Like we're looking at it and it's blue. And that's what it's like in my comments trying to deal with people, you know, saying you didn't do this. You didn't do that. And I'm like, I did it. I like, I showed you multiple times that I did it like from different angles from behind. And then they're like, Oh, well, okay. You don't hit a driver that far. So then we'll see from behind. I do it from behind. Well, we didn't see where it land. Go on a simulator. I go on a simulator. You juice the simulator. I'm like, I literally can't prove to you guys that I've done this. And it's just insane. So that was, that was the only stressful part of my weekend, which is dealing. This with, is like, the problem with having this many followers. You are <sighs> going to have, uh, you know, people who are the mansplainers. Like, is there anything less sexy than a mansplainer? 
I'm imagining this is one of the top pet peeves for women, especially like an accomplished golfer. So you've probably got guys who are like 23 handicapped being like, nope, that's not a three wood. That's a driver. <laughs> it's like, I think she knows the difference. I think I'm like, am I going crazy? And what, it's not just that though. It's like everything that I do. I did a another video on TikTok where it was like a glow up video. So yep. it was me when I was a kid and then, you know, me now. And people were like, plastic surgery, only plastic surgery. There's no way. And they're like, you were a boy. And they like were convinced I was a boy before. <laughs> Cause I, I like was a very weird looking <laughs> kid. Like I, I had no hair because I had like this hair condition and fall out all the time. Um, I had a lot of like social anxiety. I just, I dressed funny. I like post funny in pictures. I was just a funny, weird little kid. And so all of the pictures that I have just, don't look like how I look now. And so everyone was just like roasting me in the comments and they're like, there's no way that's the same person. But it's, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's not just golf or sports. It's everything. Like guys will talk to me about my own body and tell me what I've had or haven't had done on my body. I'm like, I literally have not had, I don't have implants. Like I don't know how to tell you guys that like I'm living in my body and guys who've never seen me will, will never touch me like are, are telling me what I've had done. And I'm like, are you guys this like stupid? Do you have this much entitlement that you think that you can tell me like what is wrong with my body or what I've had done or like how far I hit a driver? I'm like, I'm not live. I, there's nothing to lie about. Why would I lie about this? Well, that's that one's funny. See, my theory there is that women are more uh, obsessed with whether you've had implants than men because uh, a couple of women friends, not my wife, but other women friends are always like, of course she's had them. And I'm like, I can't tell you if she has or not. All I know is she swears she has it and she's honest about all this stuff. So, but they're like, of course she has. I'm like, all right, we'll move on to a new topic. But I feel like women get pissier about that when they see a woman with you know, what you have and they want to then be like, ah, those are fake. Yeah. No, no one believes me that I have like real boobs, which is bizarre. (laughs) Cause I, again, I, if I had them done, I would have no shame in saying I've had them done, but it's funny because then guys will be like, well, your, your ass is flat. I'm like, okay, so you're calling me plastic, but my ass is flat. You think if I spent this much money on trying to like make myself look a certain way that I would probably get like ass injections. Like (laughs) that would be the first place I would go. Like, why would I? Oh, it just like drives me crazy. And it's like, I don't know how you can like keep saying it over and over and over again and not have people believe you. And it's not like something I can't just like flash it and be like, okay, here. And people who have even saw the, they've seen the leaked picture. They're like, you, they're definitely implants. I'm like, they're not implants. Like, <laughs> I, I, I don't know what else to do. You thought, like, I don't one, know what else you to thought do. one good thing would come of that, uh, of that leaked photo that people could actually see that you're being honest yeah. about. It and still, still it came down not, the other nothing, way. Nothing, <laughs> nothing good came from that. Nothing. <laughs> uh, we we got to move on because there was more drama on social media. Seriously. And it was the Bryce Bryson Brooks Kepka video that basically stopped the golf world. Um, so there was this leaked video that came out of an interview with Brooks Kepka, and he was just talking about his round, and all of a sudden. Bryson DeChambeau walks by and Brooks completely stops. And he was like, I I lost my train of thought. Like, I can't even focus right now. And he's like this fucking guy, basically. <laughs> and just like rolled his eyes. And the interviewer was like, 
um, we'll cut that out. He's like, I don't even fucking care. Like, it was insane. He the how much hate and disdain Brooks has for yes. Bryson. And people were going back and forth on like what Brooks or what Bryson said potentially to Brooks. Some people were saying who were actually there around and could hear said that, you know, Bryson made a snotty comment um towards uh towards it's really hard when they're both B names. I'm like Bryson Brooks, like, <laughs> it's really hard right now to get it straight. Um Bryson said a snotty comment to Brooks underneath his breath. Brooks heard it. That's why he got frustrated. People are saying is the fact that Bryson was wearing metal spikes. Yep. I think Bryson said something. I don't think he's as innocent in all of this as he makes himself to be. Oh, you do think Bryson made a comment as he was walking? I think so. That's inconceivable. You think Bryson, who's just totally into himself, into his game, he's probably whining about missing putts and whining about the wind. And you think he notices Brooks being interviewed and actually says something during the interview? I think so. I don't think think so. so. I think Brooks just (laughs) hears the crunching sound. We all know that crunching sound. I guess does Brooks have a little, first of all, does Brooks have some resentment that Bryson wears metal spikes? I don't know the the backstory behind that, but I'm sure that some guys would be frustrated with other tour players wearing metal spikes before because it really does tear up the greens. Right. And when you couldn't fix ball marks or not ball marks, if you couldn't fix spike marks before, it's a really big problem. And I understand that. But now you can't fix them. So I don't know why people are still upset about metal spikes. They're allowed. So I think that was part of it, that sound. And based on the fact that like, you know, Brooks is a fast player. And I, I think that is so much of the genesis of this. And we can get into that. But my my sense is that that Bryson was walking by, like whining about like missing putts in the wind, and Brooks just you know that kind of set him off. Um, I'd be surprised if Bryson had actually made a comment. A friend of mine joked he probably said something like uh, a Nancy Kerrigan reference <laughs> to Brooks because he's had the knee injuries and he's been complaining about his health. But um, the sheer disdain is amazing. It's so good for golf. Um, now I think I'm pretty sure what side you're on here. Talk to us about that. I am for the side of drama. Like, I, I don't <laughs> think I'm taking, like, Brooks or Bryson's side on this. I like the fact that both of them are getting in the mud. You know, this is the first time, too. So, later on, it was announced that the new match is happening, and it's going to be Phil Mickelson with Tom Brady and then Bryson DeChambeau with Aaron Rodgers. And so Brooks then said, sorry, bro, and tagged Aaron Rodgers right after all of this big, you know, fiasco with the video. Yeah. And then um, Bryson comes back and he says, <laughs> um, I'm living rent free in your head right now. And then he put up a video, like a GIF video on his story of, you know, a picture of himself and Brooks's head. Yeah. Saying he's living in his head rent free. And I feel like this is the first time that Bryson is really like giving it back to Brooks, which mm-hmm. I actually do love to see. It's not just, you know, I think sometimes people think that Brooks can be a bit of a bully and it's not, it's very much equal on this now. And so when I put up a, like a little poll on, do you like, you know, Brooks better? Do you like Bryson? It was pretty much evenly split, which I was a bit surprised with. I always thought people were more team Brooks, but Same. it seems like a lot of people are now starting to be team Bryson. Yeah, that is interesting. I mean, I've got a lot of thoughts on this. Like on the one hand, I always am on the side of the fast player. 
Yeah. So Brooks is the fast guy and Bryson is the slow guy. So, you know, check mark for Brooks there. On the flip side, I think I've talked about this on the podcast. I covered the 2015 US AM at Olympia Fields. And Bryson at that point was, at least in my world, a total unknown. This 21-year-old dude. And I became fascinated by his tale. Like I remember talking to his dad, and his dad told me that Bryson, when he was in a when he was just a sophomore in high school, said, Dad, I think I can change the game of golf. Bryson's wearing the Ben Hogan cap. You know, he's got that story of all the irons are the same length. He was doing this weird thing with his putting routine where it was like a fly fishing type of motion <laughs> when he was, <laughs> when he was lining up his putts. And I remember I described him as a strapping 6-1-190, which is hilarious because that's probably 45 pounds less than what he became. And he told me about how he, the night before he played, he would take his golf balls and use like some sort of Epsom uh, salt and water to weed out the imperfections. Anyway, again, in the vein of like sports writers, just always like somebody who's different and interesting. I was basically captivated by this guy and sort of felt like, you know, oh, I've discovered him. Obviously, I didn't. But for me, it was all new. So I feel like I got in on the ground floor with Bryson. So I've always liked him. I've, I've liked the fact that he, you know, examines golf differently. But Brooks is just the cooler guy. Mm. You know, he looks so much better. He's funnier. Like his, his shots at Bryson are so funny. And Bryson, yeah. it's just eye roll shit time and time again. So I would have thought that, yeah, more people jump on Brooks's back, but maybe there's, you know, people are feeling sorry for, for, for Bryson that he's, uh, you know, a little bit getting bullied, a little bit get picked on here and probably not. And he didn't do too much to, uh, to bring this on except, you know, want, want to play golf in five hours and 10 minutes. Yeah. I, I do think it's interesting because like we were saying earlier, like I think everyone would be team Brooks just because of all those reasons you've just stated. And I, and we wrote, we talk about this Brooks a lot. Like he just doesn't seem to really connect with a lot of people, even though that he has the look and he's relatable. And I still don't know why I, I think he's <laughs> funny. I think he can be charismatic at times. Like he just is very brutally honest. And I think sometimes people don't really like that. I mean, we always complain that athletes don't show enough emotion. Yet when Brooks is showing emotion, people are like, why is he doing that? You know, he should, you know, hold it back a little bit more. So it's really weird when it comes to Brooks and how people like interact with him and how they view him differently than other athletes. He's very, he's got the whole macho thing. I mean, he looks the part. Um, I think the ladies love him, although, uh, I was talking about this. He was looking a little chunky during the PGA championship. <laughs> That's fine. We don't body shame here. Um, but not quite as, as, as sleek and cutting as impressive a figure as he normally does. But yeah, I mean, I like his attitude. Like he just like with interviews, like he just doesn't give a shit. He says whatever he wants to say. Of course, at the end of this clip with Todd Lewis, you know, and Todd Lewis is awkwardly joking. Oh, the guys in the, you know, the guys in the tower are going to enjoy this. when we get back to the golf channel compound, um, you know, implying that it's only going to stay private. And Brooks then says, I don't care. You know, his implication then is that he doesn't care if it becomes public, which is great. Uh, that's also very on brand for him. There were also rumors, I think golf, golf um, magazine or golf.com reported that uh, Brooks was trying to obtain the copy of the video just to share it with his friends. You know, like that was going to be how it was leaked out. And then it ends up leaking out to Twitter. 
So there's two conspiracy theories that are going on around this. One is Brooks was the one who leaked the video. Do we agree or disagree with that? That's definitely possible that Brooks's people wanted to get that out because clearly like NBC Golf Channel did not. I mean, they ended up pulling it after a while. I, I don't think the tour is crazy about this. Bryson is not happy about this. So, I mean, I read a story and it was in, in golf.com that talked about the beginning of it. I mean, it's strange. Like it became this huge thing just based on like a, a guy on Twitter who doesn't have much of a following, like R at RJ. Winston, yeah. How did he get the video followers. out of everyone? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So somebody put it on media silo. So I saw it first before it hit Twitter. So I, I was sent the link from someone. Um, and then like maybe 10 minutes later, it was up on Twitter. You didn't consider put it, making it public. No, no. I, I don't really try day. to. This would be a good way to build your following page. No, you got to be <laughs> smart with like what you put out there. And I yeah. never want to be one to like break news or be yeah. the first one to have something because especially like with, you know, instances that I've had in the past where I've thought something was so innocent. Sure. And I then either like get fired from a job unfairly <laughs> or, you know, there's a lot of repercussions and I don't ever want to deal with that. Well, there would be no repercussions by points, bet. you can do whatever the hell you <laughs> want. So is your, do you believe that even if RJ Winfield hadn't put this out, somebody was going to like, it was 100%. a lot of people were getting their I hands on it. I think it was starting it. Okay. to circulate and um, it was going to get out there pretty quick yeah. for sure. But it was, yeah. it was funny. And, and that is also why I think Bryson potentially said something. If we're going with a the theory that Brooks dropped it or his team dropped it, because if it's just the spikes, I don't think it makes Brooks look all that mm -hmm. good. I can see people then seeing, you know, being more on team Bryson. But if Bryson said something, then that makes Brooks looks really good. So that if if Brooks's team was the, the, the people to unleash this video, I think Bryson said something. But why would he do that? I mean, why would Bryson, as he's talking about his own round and talking to his caddy, say something to Brooks? Do you think that he's, he's aggressive that way? I think so, because there was another video of Bryson hitting a tee shot and someone said, let's go Brooksy. And he was like, whoever said that, get out of here. I know. So what I think he about? also oh. feels, you know, the hatred towards Brooks. I, I don't think this is a one sided thing where Brooks is the bully and he just doesn't like Bryson. I think they go back and forth with each other. Clearly, it's rough with Heckler. So I actually went to, yeah, I went to the finals of this court ferry tournament on Sunday at the Glen club, um, Nick Hardy, who is from the area and, and was an all American at the university of Illinois, you know, he had this massive following and he, and he played really nice Thursday, Friday, Saturday was dropping off a bit Sunday and, but he was still in the final group. Um, so he was playing with Cameron young, Cameron young is this big, impressive guy. He's actually from uh, like Westchester, New York. So, uh, I got a soft spot for him as a native New Yorker, but anyway, you know, Cameron Young is up like four or five shots and there's some like kind of annoying comments. Like he hits a drive. It's in the rough. Someone's like, nice drive, like being sarcastic. I thought that's good. And then worse, you know, he hits it in tight on a par four and he misses the birdie putt. And somebody then says, nice four. To which Cameron Young is like, thanks. Uh, so he actually handled it great. And he ended up winning by like five shots, but man, you got to have a bit of a thick skin. <laughs> I know who I'm, I'm saying this to, so you probably agree, but 
especially now in sports. I mean, you've been following this like with the NBA with these jackass fans like spitting and yelling and like throwing water bottles at fans. I'm sorry, at athletes and NBA games. And I guess people now, I don't know, post COVID, they feel like they can just like do whatever they, the hell they want. Like they're more freed up to do this stuff. It makes no sense to me. I've heard some very weird things yelled at tour players at events. I remember we were walking, we were watching the match play in Tucson when Tiger was playing and we were like right next to him. And as we were going by, some guy was like, Hey Tiger, I need my rat after you. It's just like weird comments like that. And even when I played the ACC tournament in Tahoe, that was happening to me. If I hit a bad shot, someone would be like, nice shot. Or I'd be like, you know, it's okay. You suck. You're still pretty or, you know, things like that. And it was like the entire time, constantly the entire time. And it's just so much to deal with. I would almost rather get hate online than having someone say it to you as you're, especially with golf, when you're trying to play, I feel like when you're on a field or the court, I don't think you can almost hear everyone else because of all of the cheers and, you know, you're talking to your teammates, it's just loud and there's music. But when you're on a golf course and there's not that many people, you can hear everything. You can see everyone. It's just, it's different. And you're, you're with them for so long too. I mean, five, five and a half hours, sometimes just on a golf course and there's nowhere to escape. You can't go anywhere. You know, like when you're, other sport, you can go to the locker room for a little bit, kind of decompress, or if you're not having a good day, they'll take you off and some they'll be replaced. But with golf, you can't can't do that. You are literally out there from start to finish. And if people are heckling you, you can't it's <laughs> rough. you can do about yeah, it. Yeah, because it's like hard. on the one end, you probably want to be like, fuck off, but yeah. that's gonna be a bad look. Then you're gonna get fined. They're gonna know they're under your skin, so they're gonna get that that satisfaction. So you can't do that. So then another option is to just pretend you don't hear, which is probably what athletes do 99% of the time. And then you've got that 1% who are able to give a comeback. But I'm sure, look, that's going to be like mentally taxing. Like if you're then walking to your ball and thinking like, shit, I should have said something like this and that. What am I going to get next time? Your mind that's is taking, just that's focused in on... Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, man, that's tough. Athletes get kind of trapped when stuff like that happens. Definitely. Okay, conspiracy theory number two. Is this all of a ploy between (laughs) Brooks and Bryson for the PIP? (laughs) (laughs) To get more the pip money. (laughs) To get more money. We're gonna call it the pimp money. (laughs) The pimp money. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta add an M in there. I think that'd be better. (laughs) So people are saying that they're actually working together to get more money out of this. I mean who doesn't love a great conspiracy theory? Um, I think that, that, you know, the internet is based on this, but I, I, I just don't think it's the case. Now, is it possible that they're building this up a little bit, that the volume would have been at a seven and instead it's at a nine because they realize how good this is for their brands? At least Brooks, it's good for his brand. Is it good for Bryson's? Maybe, maybe not. I mean, the fact that you're taking a poll and 50% are on his side I th- is definitely more than I would have thought. So maybe this yeah. is that he's like pitted himself as a bit of a victim here. And, you know, then trying to fight back by saying he's rent free in Brooks's head. Um, I don't think so. This seems <laughs> like it would be a, a too tough a job. Get all these people to agree to, you know, have a fake, a fake fight and, and have this professional wrestling element to it. What do you think? You think that's conceivable? I think it is, but I like conspiracy theories. 
So I feel like you don't. I don't feel like you have any like weird things that you believe in. Like I fully a hundred percent in my bones know that book Bigfoot is real. Like wow. I know <laughs> Bigfoot is real, <laughs> and I will never let anyone change my mind on that. In high school, I wrote like a twenty-page paper on this. I am a. <laughs> I believe it. Like I fully believe it. I need to know more. Where, where is he? He's in Montana or something. I think there's like weird, like <laughs> ape type animals that are walking on two feet in this world somewhere. I don't think that is such a bizarre thing to like think about. Uh, 20 pages. You wrote 20 pages about Bigfoot, but how big are the yeah. feet, by the way? Are we talking like size like 23? These like shack feet or like what are we yeah. got here? <laughs> Yeah, it's literally just like shack walk. Can you imagine <laughs> if you're like, I don't know, in the Amazon somewhere and like someone the size of like shack as like a set walking towards you? How yeah, we, we'd, we'd get be? a camera. We may turn it into a points bet ad. We would try <laughs> to get the two of you out there. Definitely. <laughs> No, do you not believe in Bigfoot or Sasquatch, if others like to call them that? Yeah, I, I, I don't. Um, I don't. Oh, not. I, I mean, I just. I mean, no. I, I would say I enjoy talking about <laughs> conspiracy theories, but I don't believe conspiracy theories. Like, I don't believe the whole like Bill Gates is implanting us, and that's why COVID started. And the, the did we actually walk government. on the moon? I believe we walked on the moon. Sorry if I'm being ignorant, but I think that actually happened. How about Nessie? Which one? Nessie, the Loch Ness Monster. Oh, Loch Ness. I used to write about the Loch Ness Monster. I think that one is pretty cool. (laughs) We haven't seen any good Loch Ness pictures in uh, a few decades, I feel like. Or aliens? Do you believe in aliens? I mean, that is conceivable. Like the the concept that we're the only life in the entire universe. I think that's kind of arrogant. So I'll go yes on aliens. How about you? How about ghosts? Ooh. So there's a hotel in Milwaukee called the Fister Hotel. And athletes used to stay there a lot, like baseball teams. And they would swear that, you know, they would leave their suitcase open and go to dinner, go out for drinks, and they would come back and the suitcase would be closed or would be moved. So the baseball players just started fucking with each other. Of course, they'd be like hiding in a closet. And then when the player left, oh, no. they'd be like rearranging stuff for yeah. when the guy returned. Um, I think the ghost is somewhat conceivable. The whole like, you know, I see dead people, um, the afterlife. I think that's that's not that far-fetched. You know? See, I'm not a ghost or aliens person. I just stick with Bigfoot. That's, that's my thing. <laughs> that makes sense to me. Really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> what does Bigfoot eat? Is he, is he an herbivore? Like, does he eat meat? What do you think? He's a he, carnivore. Does he, does he cook? <laughs> does he have like pots and pans? Or what do you think? No, it's just like, like a normal like ape like what, <laughs> they just like eat like normal food it's not like a human it's not like have a human diet uh, i think orangutan i think a lot of those i, I think they just eat like plants i think they just get by on plants. but anyway i you know i think we've strayed a little bit from the subject yeah i think um obviously with brooks and bryson look are they gonna are they gonna be paired together for the Ryder cup that's what everyone's wondering i mean no bet, Oh, no, no, no. That would be worse than the Tiger-Phil pairing. That, <laughs> that was a Ryder disaster. Cup. That would be worse than that. And Steve Stricker, the captain, is like, he's the ultimate like nice guy. Let's keep everybody happy. So he probably yeah. doesn't have that in him. Um, I did see a meme, you know, with like the, you know, official 
USGA background that yes, they will be paired together for the US Open. <laughs> Probably not going to happen, but at some point, I mean, these guys are both top five players. Gonna, we are going to yeah, get to see them. Together. Yeah, we're going to get to see them for Saturday or Sunday for a round that it's going to be spectacular. I almost wish it instead of Phil for the match, it was Brooks. I yep. think that would have been a little bit more exciting. Yes. Uh, and I can say that because Phil reblocked me. I don't have to be nice anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you're not, you're going to trash his short game. You're going to say he shouldn't have won a Kiowa. You're just going to go guns blazing. If he's going to reblock you, then you better just like come out swinging. Well, it was funny because when I had that whole like epiphany and I was like, I'm a bad person. This is why people are blocking me. And then I was like, I'm changing my ways. Like, I'm never going to say anything bad about anyone ever again. And then the whole Bryson Brooks video comes up and then we have uh, Bryson doing half rep curls. And I was like, why is God torturing me? <laughs> great, great. And then I'm so now that I, now I'm thrilled that Phil reblocked you because I want saucy page. I don't want nice I don't want a nice girl Paige who's like just throwing compliments, throwing flowers to everybody. I want Paige with some bite. And I think uh, the listeners feel the same. Yeah, it only lasted maybe like five hours. And I was like, <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> Salty. I can't do it. <laughs> it's not in me. Okay, enough with the conspiracy theories and the Brooks Bryson drama. We're going to take a little bit of a break. And when we get back, we're going to talk. Jason Kograg, Jordan Spieth, and Naomi Osaka. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. It's spring, and with the weather changing and so many great things coming up like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour, I definitely need a fresh spring wardrobe for every occasion. This spring, I'm looking for that perfect flowy spring dress for Mother's Day, as well as replacing my everyday basics. That's what I love about JCPenney. They have so many stylish and comfortable options that I always find just what I'm looking for there. Spring is a feel-good season and comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. The fashion at JCPenney is the same way. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with styles that gets you something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first like worthington and liz claiborne for her each in women's petite and plus sizes and stafford and mutual weave for him style and comfort for all even big and tall plus even more for the whole family like levi's and exertion here spring comes in all shapes sizes and colors jc penny make everybody count This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Tired of pickup truck bed chaos? Meet Decked. 
game-changing USA-made full bed-length drawers for tools and gear. Waterproof, dustproof, lockable, secure. Whether you're working, hunting, fishing, camping, or just getting out of town. And introducing decked deco cases. Tough, modular, problem-solving cases built for the truck, job site, campsite, or garage. Say goodbye to random bins and tie-downs. Order now at decked.com slash iHeart for free shipping. Decked, your truck, your rules. Decked.com forward slash iHeart. So let's get into Jason Kokrak winning the Charles Schwab. I can't say Charles Schwab Cup. It's very <laughs> difficult for me to say. I had to do on points bet we do. Uh, it's called the leaderboard where I just recap what happened. Yeah. And it took me so many takes to try to get Charles <laughs> Schwab like without sounding and like my face looking like that. Um, I just can't say it. It's it's one of the ones I can't say. Do you did you ever watch that show Thirty Rock? Yeah. So there was the movie The Rural Juror. <laughs> they were trying to think like the worst movie of name of all time. And I think Jane Krakowski's character is in The Rural Juror. <laughs> so maybe just Chuck Schwab. Can you Chuck say Chuck Schwab? Schwab? No, it's like the 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 C the C H with the Schwab just doesn't. I can say you know like Charles. Uh, that, was, that was actually a little difficult. How about colonial? Can you colonial. say colonial? Yeah, colonial is fine. The tournament was to colonial. There you go. Charles so, so speaking of sounds, like I always just call him Jason Coatrack. I think he should change his name to Jason Coatrack. That would be much better than Coatrack. I mean, tough name for a guy, isn't it? Coatrack? Yeah, my friend Dan, who we always talk about, like our picks for the week. Yeah. He just calls him Coatrack. <laughs> so I just put Coke and then rat together. And so that's just what he'll, he'll just text me his last name. And it's just Coke rat. <laughs> I mean, it is better than like cock rat or cock rack or something like that. I can only imagine. I never, yeah, no, it's always been, I played with Jason at Riviera in the. So this uh, is why you're in love with him. I think he is like the best guy ever. He is so nice, but he hits the ball so solid. Oh. One of the most in- impressive ball strikers I've ever played with because he hits it so far and he hits it so high. Um, he does struggle a little bit with a short game, which we saw in the final round. Um, his bunker play was a bit dicey, but again, he's just such a good person. Like he was so genuine and so nice throughout the entire round. Um, very real. And so I'm a big Jason Kokrak fan. I think he's awesome, but also just because of his game too. Like he yeah. has the game that can play on any type of golf course. You see some type of players where they can only play on certain type of golf courses, not him. He can play on any type of golf course because of the way he hits his golf ball. So that's why I always pick him. I literally pick him always all the time, except <laughs> for this week. It's the week that he wins, um, which is not... Not great, but uh, I, I'm really happy for him. I think it was tough because clearly everyone was rooting for Jordan Spieth, and that was a big storyline that, you know, how was Jason going to handle it when the whole crowd was for Jordan? Handled it great. I mean, it was, I mean, the back nine on Sunday was a little tight. Yep. A couple bogeys in a row. Uh, but he held Jordan off. But Jordan also didn't really give him – he never capitalized on any of the mistakes that Jason made. 
And yeah. obviously he hit in the water on 18 and that pretty much just stopped the whole tournament. Look, Jason got a little break on number 13. He thought he was in the water on that part of three. Yeah. He hammered that putt. That putt must have been like way uphill because he took the putt back this far, really accelerated into that puppy and made a nice birdie on 13. Yeah, we can't exactly say that like Kokrak, you know, stared down Spieth and, you know, beat him in Texas on his own turf because honestly, Jordan just played terrible I, by his <laughs> standards, right? I mean, he just, he just had an off day. It happens if people want to criticize him for not being able to close. Right. He's not Tiger Woods. Nobody's Tiger Woods. Nobody closes like 56 out of 59 times with the final round lead. So there's that. Um, it's cool that Jason is such a nice guy. But Paige, I think you have to help me get over a, a bias that I have. Um, I don't like players who have too many logos. So I really don't like guys who look like human billboards. I think it looks cheesy. This is not NASCAR. I favor the guys who just have maybe some swooshes or one logo on the hat, maybe one on the arm. I just don't like that look. I know that everybody has bills to pay, but that immediately makes me less of a fan. Yeah, I can understand that. But when someone's offering you $700,000 to put a patch on your shirt, you're going to do it. You, Everyone's you think he's it. getting seven hundred dollars per patch? There's no way on this God's green earth. I, I don't know about him, but I was talking to someone who I was working with the same company and they were telling me that they wanted to get a couple more tour players, but unfortunately for a patch on either like the front of your shirt or on the side of um, your sleeve that they can go industry standard is $500,000. I think he's below industry standard. But it was for a player because they were telling me who they were trying to get. It was for a player who was less, like lower ranked than Jason Kokrak. I was, I was shocked, shocked and appalled. You think, yeah. (laughs) Because I was like, I never, ever see this person on TV. Maybe once or twice through the entire four days that I'm watching it. I'll probably see them once or twice. Like they're a name that people would probably, if you say the name, just say the name. No, I'm not going to golf fans would know who it is. Um, but it's not a well-known player. And I'm like, okay, let me get this straight. I have 3 million (laughs) followers. Here we go. On Instagram. (laughs) I can get you millions of impressions, millions of eyes on your product. And I am outwardly saying this product is great. Buy this product. Why are you paying a guy on tour who isn't even in the top 50 in the world 500000 plus to wear a logo of your product on the sleeve of their shirt right. that no one is ever going to see? It doesn't make any sense to me at all. And for like a logo on a towel, it's the same amount of money, probably more. And it's like, what are you guys doing? Are companies this fucking dumb? Dumb. Yeah. Here's what's going to happen. I have um, a couple of golf agent friends of mine. I am going to do some research and have some answers for our next podcast. And I'll tell you what, if they tell me that Jason Kokrak is getting $500,000 per logo, I assume that you're talking about this is for a one-year contract. Are you talking about? 
probably a multiple year contract, I would say. Okay. So, but no, but it would be that much every year. Okay. So five. Yeah. If, if you're telling me that, right, by wearing nine logos, that Jason Kokrak is, is bringing in like over $4 million, then I will probably shut up. That said, I am then surprised that like Nike is able to do what it does. So, I mean, you know, Nike gets these guys like Jordan Spieth and I obviously. Well, they're, Nike's paying them like, you know, $20 million. Right. So, of course, they're only going to wear one logo. That's what I'm saying. I mean, can you imagine how much Nike has to pay these athletes to be to only have one logo across them? I, mean, I heard someone. I heard that Jordan Spieth's AT&T contract was like $100 million. Well, Jordan Spieth is in like another world. And exactly. But still, $100 million? That's insane. Yeah. I mean, I, I just saw like the numbers for uh, top athletes being paid. And it's great to see what golfers make. Golfers make 40 or $50 million a year in endorsements. Uh, whereas like a lot of NFL players make $100,000 a year. Those poor guys, it's a team sport they've got a helmet on it's very very different um but i'm gonna ask i mean like for example nick hardy the one who i was talking about on the corn ferry tour he is a nike athlete so he just wears the swooshes so it's interesting to me how much nike is willing to pay these guys to say this is all you can put on that pretty little shirt of yours have you ever looked at a guy playing golf at one of their logos on their shirts and was like you know what I'm going to Google that right now. I'm very interested in this brand. I love this guy. I'm going to like go and buy all of theirs. I've never once done that ever. So I know you want me to say no, but the answer actually is yes. It doesn't happen a lot, but like, I think I discovered Uniqlo because Adam Scott wears Uniqlo. Okay. That's that. I feel like that's different though because it's clothing, it's clothing and you can see it on them. But I'm talking yeah. like a random like insurance brand or yeah, I can't say that I have like Phil Mickelson in a Workday somewhat interesting, but I think it's more so because Workday has like fairly decent ads on TV. So I think it's more about like awareness um, than somebody saying like hmm, I think I'm going to give this company money because they have slapped a logo on Patent Kazire. That doesn't happen. No. Now, yeah. That said, I definitely want a point spent logo on some great golfer. Like I will feel like the company has advanced to the point has taken up even another notch once we can get a, you know, a really sweet point spent hat. You know, maybe like like something like this. Can we get a golfer to wear something like this? Somebody good. Yeah, for a lot of money. Well, it's <laughs> funny because companies are so obsessed with logos and having it, everything be overly branded on you. And I've worked with a lot of companies who are like, we need the logo on your chest at all times. And they're not willing to pay for that. And so for me, when I'm on, you know, doing my golf swing, of course, having a logo on my chest would be ideal, but I'm not going to wear a polo or the same type of outfit every single time because what makes my brand a little bit different is people come to see what I'm wearing. Yes. I do a golf swing. It's just a golf swing, whatever. It's from the same angle. No one cares. But if I'm wearing something interesting, I'm going to get more views, more comments, more likes. And I can't have a logo like on me and not have the freedom to be able to do that. And it's just interesting how companies will pay these guys on tour because they're on TV this much amount of money. But when it comes to me, it's, it's just a part of my contract. Like they, they're not even trying to ask for any more money. And so I've had to say no 
multiple times to the point where it's actually ruined the relationship where I won't work with them anymore because they don't understand the value of social media. And I'm not going to be branded on my Instagram page for little, like literally no money. See, I don't understand this at all. Okay. So I, so Under Armour, Nike, whoever, I, I don't know who makes the best women's golf outfits, but they, they have, they are not coming to you and saying, Paige, we are going to pay you a million dollars a year. If you will be wearing our clothing all year when you do your, your content. Nope. Well, I also wouldn't have a clothing sponsor because I like to have the freedom to wear whatever I want. But no, I think that a lot of companies still are not working in the budget that I think that they should be working in when it comes to influencers because they just don't understand. They still think that the old ways are the ways that they should do it. They're spending, you know, an insane amount of money to be an ad in Golf Digest. And it's like, why are you spending your money on that when you could be working with influencers and get more for, you know, bigger bang for your buck? And I just... I don't understand. You have the top, top influencers who are making a lot of money, but a lot of that is through like YouTube and their own revenue that comes from views and engagement and likes. I can't, when I post something on Instagram, for example, I don't get paid by my impressions. I only get paid through the sponsors that I'm working with. And it's not one-off posts. They're more like long-term partnerships. So it's very frustrating when I, I will see these guys, you know, on tour and they're like 70th in the world and they're making, you know, triple the amount that I am making with a sponsor and we have the same sponsor and it could even be potentially more than that. And it's like, what, like, what's wrong with these guys? Like, why can't they see the value in it? I mean, it'd be an interesting comparison to like, what do the women of the LPGA tour make um, for clothing endorsements? Like nothing. I'd be very curious about that. They don't that. make anything. Yeah, so they do. All right. So yeah, they just have that. So they must be obsessed with TV. Uh, I mean, the ones who are handing out these contracts, they just must feel like, okay, if Jason Kokrak, we're taking a risk here. We think he's going to be on TV X number of hours a year on CBS or NBC or ESPN, et cetera, golf channel. And I wonder if it's as simple as that. Like they do an equation. You're not on TV, TV. (laughs) You're on a lot of stuff like this that a lot of people watch. It is surprising. I'm, I'm shocked that you don't have, you know, that, that you don't have companies kind of fighting for you and trying to get a logo on, uh, you know, a visor or something like that. Yeah. Well, I'm also very particular too. I have turned down a lot of deals because one, it didn't fit my brand. I didn't feel comfortable promoting it or I didn't want to be logoed. Like I don't like having logos all over me because I think it makes my content inauthentic because like you were saying, if you look at someone and they're covered in logos, you tend to not like them as much. You tend to think that, you know, it's a money grab. They don't really care about what they're doing. So with me, especially with the negative perception of influencers, just, you know, promoting every little product that comes their way. Yes. I see when I'm talking about a product, people tend to be interested at first if I, if they think I genuinely like the product, but then if I say, Hey, my discount code is, you know, page 20 automatically, they're like, I'm not interested anymore because they've had so many bad experiences with other influencers who don't try the product, don't know the product, don't know the company. And so I really pride myself on only promoting 
products or companies that I fully, fully believe in. I have tried. I like the people who are running the company. I trust them. And, but it is hard to like build that trust with your followers that they know that you're not just promoting this product because you're getting paid, but you're promoting it because you really like it and you, and you care for the product. Yeah. I mean, I appreciate the fact that you don't sell out. I did. I mean, the master's got to me, uh, the man of Augusta National, and they said, name your price. So they've thrown in a membership, they've thrown in seven figures, and that's why I'm wearing this hat. And I'm sorry, I had to sell out. <laughs> oh, we could all be more like you, but it is interesting. <laughs> and I probably could be making you know, a lot more money if I decided yeah. just to promote any product that came my way, but I've decided not to do that. So yes, I, I am frustrated sometimes with you know, when you look at the comparisons between, you know, what I am doing in my field compared to what some guys are doing on tour, and I don't feel like it is equal, but it doesn't mean that I am being unfairly compensated. I know I am very lucky that I make the amount that I do, and I'm very grateful for that. But I think as women, we do have to keep fighting for, you know, equal pay. And that's a big thing. I know that if I was a male and I had this many followers in the golf industry, I would probably be making 10 times more than I'm making now. It's all strange. I don't understand. Like given your following and given how you look. Um, because yeah, in golf, why? it's not a positive. Yes. I have a lot of, you know, fan interaction and I have a, a yeah. very loyal, loyal following. But with golf, it's a very conservative sport. And so if brands tie themselves to me, sometimes people see that as a negative and yeah. as like hardcore golf fans, they tend to either not know much about me. So they have, you know, misconceptions about who I am. So there's a lot more that goes into it where they have to be very particular with like who they work with and why they work with them compared to me. Sometimes I think like I have tried working with you know, certain companies. And then we get to a certain point and they're like, oh no, there's people higher up that, you know, don't like your brand and we can't work with uh, you. And so that, you know, that's always a bit of a problem too. And so people are always like, oh, you're only where you are because of how you look. But it, on the flip side, it does definitely hold me back on certain, certain areas as well. There's, it's not all pros. There's pros and cons to, you know, kind of like promoting yourself in a certain way. Yeah. When we're walking the grounds of Tory Pines, before the U.S. Open, I think we're going to strike a deal, and I'm going to take one percent. That's all I need. How about one percent? Yeah, right. That? You're going to get me fucking blocked by Phil Mickelson. He's going <laughs> to kick me off property because you're like stirring shit or something. It's her. She's the one who keeps harassing. Yeah, you. you're going you're to be like yelling, be like, "It's Paige. Paige is here," and I'm going to get a restraining order by the end of the week. I'm a pretty good wingman. We were out Saturday night with a buddy of mine. It was his birthday. I was trying to get him with the waitress. Um, I'm also a pretty good. Inst I'm also a pretty good instigator. So I will definitely try to cause some trouble. for. I am not going to spend any, any time with you. Literally. If you're like on hole one, I'm going to 18. I am going to avoid you. One and 18 are probably close. So you might, have to nope, go to, you might have to uh, go to 12. No, uh, no I, will I need like security with me. Like there's a guy <laughs> named Teddy. He's tall. If you see him come near me, get rid of him. I don't like him. Do I, I appreciate the tall line of all the things you could have said about me. I was going to say you had chicken legs, awesome. but I didn't want to be rude. <laughs> I am. I'd say what? Now that you can hit a 295-yard three-wood. Allegedly. I'm a, <laughs> a little concerned about her long drive contest. This has me worried. We'll see.
Okay, so we got to talk about Naomi Osaka. This has been a massive storyline. And if you guys don't know who she is, she is the number two ranked tennis player in the world. And speaking of money endorsements, she is the highest paid female athlete. So very personable, very marketable, a big draw for tennis. So with uh, the French Open coming up, she decided that she will no longer participate in press conferences because she feels that it is bad for athletes' mental health. She said that during the press conferences, the reporters ask insensitive questions and she doesn't feel comfortable sitting through them anymore. Right. A lot of support from other athletes. However, she is so far being fined. She was fined $15,000 for missing her first press conference. And now they're saying that she could potentially be banned from Wimbledon and also the French Open if she keeps doing this. So this is a, it's very interesting. And there's a lot of layers to all of this. Yes. I want to hear your opinion, Teddy, first, because you said you feel very strongly about this. And as someone who is a sports writer and you've been in a ton of press conferences, I'd really love to hear your side of things because I have been on both sides. Yep. I have been the one asking questions and I've also been the one sitting in a press conference bawling my eyes out. So I have seen both sides of this. So I'll, I'll let you start. Yeah, I I purposely did not chime in on Twitter because I'm glad we have a podcast to talk about this because there's a lot to it. It's something you can't do in like 150 characters. Sometimes you can't do in in a short amount of time or space like the vast majority of people in America um, and on Twitter really don't like the media, don't really understand what we do, don't really, you know, get what, what we add to sports. Uh, and they're always going to side with a popular athlete, especially if it's, I think, a woman athlete who's citing mental health. And she is an advocate for a lot of um, social issues as well. She is, um, it's funny because she's very shy, but she's also very outspoken about, mm-hmm. you know, very polarizing issues. I just wanted to throw that in there as well. Yeah, so I think that yeah. is also and part of the story. Yeah, brilliant player and all that. Um, look, I've been in. You know, you touched on a page, hundreds, if not thousands of press conferences. I was at the, as a sports writer for the Chicago Tribune for almost 25 years and was at Sports Illustrated before that. And like 99.9% of these are cordial and joking and we're an easy crowd. Like if you say something like moderately amusing, we're probably going to break out into laughter just because we're so grateful that somebody is making an effort. And um, sure, I've been in some tough ones too after athletes have fucked up and or just if they've lost. I mean, I've been there in March Madness where probably the most awkward um, where uh, a player is crying in his locker. So it's an open locker room after the NCAA tournament um, as opposed to usually where they just bring players to a podium. So you're just inside there and a kid is just like crying in his locker and you don't know if you should just like leave him alone or if you should say, hey, uh, you know, I'm sorry you lost. How are you feeling right now? There are awkward times. Like that said, I, I just think this is such a, a wrong move on her point um, for a bunch of reasons. Look, she is now making $37 million a year and the media did play a role in this. Um, she's been 
well covered, I think fairly covered throughout her career. She doesn't have a sort of a specific gripe with anybody or a specific question. Like if she'd come out with, you know, some examples of how she was harmed by some questions, maybe I'd have a little more sympathy for her. I've, I've covered some tennis. I covered tennis uh, in the Olympics in Rio. Serena Williams had issues with just like literally serving it in the box, but like these are professional athletes and they should be able to handle some questions. And bottom line is if there's a question that you think is unfair or you don't want to answer, all you have to do is say, I'm sorry, I don't want to answer that. Let's get to the next one. I'm sorry. That's personal. I, I'd really rather not answer it. Just like be a human being. Like, I think what this does is this really demonizes the media. And honestly, like after the last presidential administration, I don't want to see any more of that because people already think that some people already think that the media are the enemy of the people when really like 99% of us are, you know, I still say us, even though I'm a point spent, are just like good guys trying to write good stories. And like the vast majority of interactions with athletes and media are totally positive. We're telling their stories. They're getting stuff out that they want to. We're helping to build their brand. So I don't like this because now people are going to look at media in a bad light. Other tennis players might say, wait, if Naomi's able to do it, then I can blow off my press conference because I just lost a fifth set match and I don't want to deal with the tough questions. So I, I don't like that it gives, gives cover to other players for that. So I, I think it was unnecessary. And I think it's actually backfired because... She wanted less attention. Clearly, she didn't want to have to face any tough questions. Yeah, and now she is completely in the spotlight. She has made a huge issue over absolutely nothing. If she just gone to her press conferences and given vanilla answers, none of this would be happening. And now she's facing fines and is in the middle of a social media storm. Do you think that interviews with men are different than? interviews with women, do you feel that at times they ask somewhat like sexist questions or um, different types of questions to women? Because I would say that could be my only, right? like come back to any of this because, you know, it's, it is trending now where, you know, old interviews are coming up and old, you know, questions and not just with athletes, but with, you know, female uh, celebrities, uh, singers, actresses where Britney Spears, Britney Spears, all of that, you know, the media attention that she had, where they will ask a guy about their accomplishments and what they're doing, but they'll ask the women about their body and what they're wearing. And it can get a little exhausting when you're not treated, you know, equally. Do you think that, have you seen that firsthand from your experience? Like, has it happened? Of course, you know, you have interviewers, it's like any other profession. You have, there are bad doctors and bad lawyers and bad police officers and bad media members who are unprepared, who ask stupid questions, who are sexist, or who maybe just get nervous. You know, I mean, like all <laughs> yeah. these press conferences are now on TV after NBA games and, you know, you're on ESPN and you don't want to look like an idiot. And sometimes you just get like shocked. So that's why, like, to say I'm not going to do a press conference, I think it's so foolish. I mean, if you don't like the question, just say, hey, can you rephrase that? Or, you know, I really appreciate you're not asking that. I'm keeping that. I'm keeping that to myself. Like, what's wrong with just giving an answer like that? So I haven't covered a ton of women's sports. I've certainly covered some LPGA events. Like, again, at the Olympics, I was doing beach volleyball <laughs> and I did uh, table tennis. And I mean, I would actually think that like 
as a male athlete, as a male athlete, as a male media member interviewing women, I actually am more careful about what I'd say. Like with a guy, I would probably be more comfortable being like, Jesus, what the fuck was that? You know, I, I, I could probably be like, it would be more casual, um, especially if I know the guy a yeah. little bit, but yeah, there's no doubt that traditionally, um, I'm sure a lot of old men were asking sexist questions to women. So I get it because I, through doing like interviews on this podcast and just talking to other players, there are times when you want to ask them a difficult question. And I almost feel like you have every right to ask them that. But I have always been very hesitant to ask people those questions because they're so sensitive about it. And there's certain topics that are just off limits. Being in press conferences, it's very overwhelming. You have the the pictures, like the lights from the pictures that are going off. They're asking you these questions. And I... I was always fine with the questions that people, you know, asked me, but they're still difficult. You know, like when I was going into play Dubai the second go around after my very traumatic first experience there, and they were asking me all about my first experience. And, you know, they brought up, you know, being bullied and I broke down because it just brought up all of this past trauma and it was really hard to handle. And it, and it is a draining part of your job as an athlete is doing the press conferences. It's not something that anyone likes, but here's the thing (laughs) (laughs) you are getting the amount of money that these athletes are making is beyond comprehensible. The top athletes, they are making so much money. And if you can't do a 10 minute press conference, there's a problem. You look at doctors, you look at teachers, you look at everyone. There are stressful aspects of their job, right? Even with what I do, I get hate comments, hundreds of thousands of hate comments every single day. People telling me I'm fat, I'm ugly, I'm stupid, I'm not good at what I do, need to, I'm not good at what I do, I should die. Like all of this 24-7. Would I like to just not have to deal with that? Of course. Of course I would. But that's just part of my job and I have to deal with it. I also, is this the first time she's ever spoken about mental health? I don't really remember if she has or not. Yeah. I mean, like I read a really good, I read a really good New York Times story by Christopher Clary about this whole issue and it was thorough and it was nuanced and detailed and there was never a sense of this is what set her off or she's really been vocal about this before. I mean, like Paige, you said it like it's part of the job. And look, we all have parts of our job that we hate. We all have parts that suck. Like I don't want to be detailing. Like I love our boss and he, and I look at things sometimes and he says, okay, detail uh, every day, what it's going to be like at Tory Pines and what content you guys are going to make. And, who you're possibly going to talk to, to, you know, make connections with and all that kind of stuff. And like, do I really want to do that? I don't really want to do that, but we (laughs) do it. It's part of the job. This is part of the job. And I mean, that was interesting that you had those experiences in press conferences. Um, Did you know, did you feel like the option was out there where you could say, guys, I, I understand the question. 
but I just don't want to get into it again. hundred percent. But that, yes. Yeah. And I, and I felt empowered to say no in, in a polite way. I don't feel like if I said no, people would have looked at me any differently, but I am a very open, honest person. So if someone asks right. me a question, I'm going to answer. I'm also an emotional person. So that's not surprising to me, but I, I wish that, and I love Naomi. I think she is amazing and she's great for the sport. And yep. I love how vocal she is. I do feel, though, if you're going to be very vocal about certain things, you can't pick and choose when you want to talk about it and when you don't want to talk about it. If you want to be vocal about certain things and you want to be an advocate for a lot of different things, these press conferences could be a really great avenue for her to get her message out and her story out even more. And it's a little upsetting for me because I don't feel like she's trying to work with the WTA to make this better. They want to work with her and they're understanding and they're basically saying, what can we do to help you? That's right. And... It's, it's, this is really, this is what I'm talking about. There's so many layers because there are certain things in my life as a woman that I do feel like I need to put my foot down and I need to say no because people don't take me seriously and I need to stand my ground on this. And so part of me is like, way to go, Naomi. Like you feel very strongly about this and you're going to take the fine. You're going to do all of this. I commend you for doing that because you feel so strongly. But at the same time, when people are trying to make it better, she could be the first person to make it better for everyone else. If this is a if this is a problem within press conferences and people are begging to be like, how can we change this? And she's like, I don't want anything to do with it. Then then she's not helping the future generations of young yeah. female tennis players who are coming up through the ranks who don't have forty million dollars a year to just like throw away fines. You know she. People have to say yes to this. And so she could be the first person to be like, okay, these are the ground rules. If I'm doing this press conference, it needs to be like this. And it needs to be like this for everyone. Yeah, again, it, it, every personality is different. And some people can handle tough questions and some people don't want to handle tough questions. And it, it's the media's right to ask the question as long as they're not being rude or out of bounds. And then it's the athlete's choice to answer the question or not. I mean, it's not it's not that complicated. I think right now she just looks very thin skinned, like, you know, she's made it to the top and now she doesn't need the media. And look like we're in a business, too. And these media companies are always having debates about whether to send whether to send writers to sporting events. And if The New York Times is going to spend money to send Christopher Clary to the French Open. It wants to, it's doing that because it's, you know, he, they think he's going to be able to talk to athletes and yeah. give them something back to it. To its readers. So I just think she's looking at it quite selfishly, to be honest. And she has to realize that like the media have helped build all these stars, whether it's tennis or football <laughs> yeah. or basketball yeah. or baseball or golf, <laughs> like Jordan Spieth has gotten great publicity and, you know, what's obviously different now, and this is the part we haven't really gotten into, is that in the last eight or 10 or 15 years, like athletes can just bypass the media and they can just use social media and they can just get their point across that way. But I think most consumers also realize it's different. It's one thing, you know, to read a social media post. It's another for Greg Norman to stand in there after he's blown a huge lead at the Masters to Nick Faldo and handle the questions and take the heat. And like, I think we expect these guys, like if you fuck up in a game, just stand there and say, man, I really, I really screwed up. I feel awful. 
I hope it doesn't happen again. Like I feel bad about my teammates and all that. Like I think you end up earning so much more respect from the public when you stand in there and, and take criticism or blame versus when you say, I, I'm not going to talk, you know, because yeah. like, why should anybody respect that? Well, and I don't want to speak on her mental health or her journey with mental health because that's, you know, not my place to talk about it. But I have struggled a lot through my entire life. And it's it's not just something like, I say I have, you know, anxiety or depression to be trendy. And I feel like that kind of is something that's happening right now. People don't truly understand what it is and they just say it to, you know, kind of be relatable. And, you know, I've really, really struggled with this my entire life. When I was in those press conferences, it, it wasn't the questions that they were asking me that was the problem. And you're right. I could have felt empowered. I don't feel like I've ever been in, in an uncomfortable situation in a press conference where it was truly damaging to my mental health. Everything that I was going through was either due to, you know, personal issues or things that I was going through, but it was never a question that then made me anxious or depressed. It was yeah. just like, it, it was, yeah, I mean, it potentially could be, but they were never like, oh yeah, you, you almost killed yourself last year. Do you want to talk about that? You know, they were never outwardly rude and I've never even had a ton of sexist questions or comments. You know, I do feel like for the most part, they're, they're just trying to do their job exactly. the best way that they can. And I don't think that they're really trying to hurt her or hurt the athletes who are there. They're just trying to get an interesting story. And I even see this too sometimes where they'll ask a different question or try to word it differently to get a different type of response or a different type of, you know, anything out of these guys. Cause this is kind of repetitive with the same kind of questions. And they seem to almost, the athletes almost get irritated at the reporters for doing their job. Like, it's just frustrating. I just feel like they need to understand, like you were saying, that the media helps them. It's a great relationship back and forth. And you can you can make press conferences enjoyable and fun and easy. And I just feel like athletes need to kind of like learn their place a little bit more in that situation. It's like not everyone is making, you know, hundreds of million dollars a year. And yeah. this is their job. And they're just trying to do their job. I think like Phil Mickelson is a great example of this. He has mainly like kind of mastered how to work the media and he, he's been embroiled in some controversies, whether it's like sports betting <laughs> or like Billy Walters, like potential financial improprieties and, you know, hitting a moving golf ball at the U S open. So it, it hasn't all been, Phil, you're the greatest. I mean, he's had a lot of ups and downs. He's been in the spotlight for more than 30 years, but like exactly answer questions when you can, if there's stuff you don't want to say, I'm sorry, my agent's handling that, or it's an investigation. I can't deal with it. Like deflect stuff with humor whenever possible. And I think it'll end up being better, way better for both sides. Well, and it's not like you guys can ask whatever you want to ask whenever you want to ask it. Most of the time when you are in a press conference or an interview, there are topics that are off limits and you can't, ask them anyways. And I don't feel like a lot of people are asking those very difficult questions. And let's say it does happen, then they should be removed. So I, I do think that the the rules do could like they need to change a little bit, I guess, to make players feel a little bit more comfortable. But I, I don't like Naomi's stance on this. And also, like you said, she got support from players. I mean, from what I saw, they were respectful to her viewpoint, but they all said, 
this is part of the job. This is not going to change me. And, you know, I'm going to go on as it were. So, so as far as I can tell, nobody has really backed her by, by saying I'm with you. No, I'm also going to yeah. boycott. So I think that 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 said something right there. Yeah. Novak Djokovic, he was like, this is part of our job. Like, I yeah. don't know why she would come out and say that. And for him, he he is very brash, but he has been in a oh. lot of controversies <laughs> oh, and always dealing with stuff. And it's like, if he can make it through a press conference, then I think Naomi, who is universally beloved, right? I, I can also probably, I mean, she, I guess the only thing I could think of is people always asking her about Serena Williams, but that happened so long ago that I don't think that could still potentially be a question. Yeah. I mean, Novak's what? Nanny stuff, I believe, and COVID controversy. <laughs> or when he nailed the, the ball lady in the neck. Do you remember that? Oh, that was God, funny. I do now. Oh, and then he acted, he was like so sorry, he acted like it was an accident. <laughs> but but right, he got I, I had forgotten about that controversy. <laughs> it's good when these guys have enough controversies, you just start to forget some of them. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and by the way, I think maybe for our next pod, we'll talk about you know Tiger Woods and his first words since his accident. Cause I, I felt extremely unsatisfied having been left with uh with that story with you know tiger being um still very reserved in terms of what he says and doesn't say and when he apologizes and doesn't but i think that's for the next one i i think um i think you've hit it on the head with osaka and i maybe she needs to explain like if she wants to get more people on her side at this point you know people like us fellow tennis players i think she would it would behoove her to say this is why this is how it bothered me. And, um, you know, a better stance, as you mentioned, is to try to grow from it and say, okay, let's try to make this relationship even better. So do press conferences on social media then, you know, why isn't she doing it on, you know, like Instagram live? What do you mean? Oh, taking questions from fans? Yeah. Taking questions from fans or having the media show up to, you know, her uh, IG live or, you know, asking questions and she can respond on her social media if she wants to take control of it. But I do think she owes, you know, uh, some answers to how she's feeling going into this, you know, very huge event with tennis. There are only really four big events a year that other people tune into. And it's a a big loss to get new young players into tennis. She's young. She's cool. She's, you know, um, she can reach so many different audiences. Yeah. And I, I, I just think about this with like, the lack of people getting into golf or like younger people getting into golf, I would be devastated if I was a tennis player and one of our most prominent athletes wasn't doing press conferences because one young girl could see Naomi on TV and be like, wow, I, she's so well-spoken. I want to be like her and then get into it. I just think it's just such a big loss for the sport. And I hope she changes or does they come up with a solution to this because I don't want her to get banned either. If she just doesn't play the French open. She doesn't play Wimbledon anymore. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. That part is fascinating. The fact that the French open has come out so strongly in favor of tradition and basically forcing her to speak. Can you imagine how awkward her press conferences are going to be now? Oh, gosh. <laughs> it's, and it's all her doing. She created this out of nothing. Oh, gosh. We'll have to uh, keep watching that. But it was, it. I don't know. It's just crazy. I can't imagine doing that. I can't imagine being like, you know, what? I'm just not going to do my job. I'm just not going to do it. 
I feel like she just didn't really think this through. She didn't think about all the ramifications and, and everything that would happen and how she's now, no. now more in this spotlight. It's also tricky because clay is her worst surface. Yeah. So she's already in the spotlight and stressed and dealing with long, grueling matches. And I'm sure this is the last thing she wanted to, to do to have the spotlight. Well, because she's not an attention seeker. She she is a very shy person, yeah. innately shy. And I don't think she wanted any of this to happen. I think she had good intentions going into it. And then it completely backfired on her with the reaction that she's getting. I think she probably suspected a lot of support from you know, fans and players and maybe even the organization. And that is not what happened. <laughs> it would have been hilarious, Paige, if I was a reporter in a press conference where you would have been the subject and what I would have asked and how you would have replied. Hmm. 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 Think I would have been nice or think I would have been one of the tougher ones? I think you would have been one of the tougher ones. I think I'd be one of the nicer ones. I don't know. You're very honest. And I think you, I think it would have been nice, but you would have asked a tough question. I don't think you would have, you know, asked, you know, a very easy question. It would softball. Yeah. It would have been a question that was difficult, but you would have asked it in a nice way. Like I said, I, I never had any issues with tough questions at all. I, I got emotional by some of them. Um, but I, I never shied away from answering a question. I don't think I've ever said, no, I'm not going to answer that. So Good. I'm going to start <laughs> I'm very asking tough questions on this pod. No, and I think the key is always, by the way, for you young journalists out there, don't ask yes or no questions. That is one of the keys to getting a good answer. That's so hard though, especially with some athletes who like won't say one thing. <laughs> They're like one word, one word question, or one word answers. You're like, what are you doing? Are you upset um, about this? Yes. Yes. Okay. Thanks. You're great. Great Appreciate interview. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that's going to wrap up today's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed. As always, thank you, Teddy. And I want to hear your guys' opinion on the Naomi situation. Do you agree? Do you disagree? You can always email us at par at iheartradio.com or message us on our Instagram account, which is playing around. So, you know, let us know what you guys think about this. Cause as someone, I mean, Teddy, you've been on one side. I've been on both sides. But as a fan, do you love press conferences or do you not even really care about them anymore? I mean, because athletes are so accessible on social media, is it even an issue? So let us know. Write in um, always for TNA questions as well. We always love answering all of those. So as always, thank you so much for listening and you will catch us here again soon. Follow Playing Around with Paige Renee on iHeartRadio. Or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Tired of pickup truck bed chaos? Meet Decked, game-changing USA-made full bed-length drawers for tools and gear. Waterproof, dustproof, lockable, secure. Whether you're working, hunting, fishing, camping, or just getting out of town. And introducing Decked Deco cases. Tough, modular, problem-solving cases built for the truck, job site, campsite, or garage. Say goodbye to random bins and tie-downs. Order now at Decked.com slash iHeart for free shipping. Decked, your truck, your rules. Decked.com forward slash iHeart. 
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.